So do you own your own place, your own home in the city or suburbs? How'd you like to start adding value to your home without writing a check? How'd you like to start saving significant money on your electric bill right away? Switch to solar. Sopel Solar, S-O-P-E-L, solar.com. Sopel is in Brent Sopel, who used to play for the Chicago Blackhawks, who helped us win the Stanley Cup. Brent Sopel is the guy who's going to help you switch to solar. And with the tax incentives that currently exist at the state and federal level, you could save up to 48%. And there's nothing out of pocket. That's the best part. That is the best part. Get a consultation at SopelSolar.com. Switch to solar. Go green. Add value to your house. Get a 25-year warranty in the process. It's Car Con Carne. So I'm James Van Alstel. This is Carcone Carne, and my guest on this episode is nothing less than an Eisner Award winner for his work on DC Comics' The Sandman, Endless Nights. He's also a two-time Emmy nominee for his production and character design on the TV series Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. His works have been seen in places like the 2006 Winter Olympics, ad campaigns for Nike, MTV and Nissan, magazines like Entertainment Weekly, and galleries all over Europe. Now you can get up close to his work in a special museum exhibition. It's the Bilson Kevich exhibition happening at the Dunn Museum of Lake County in Libertyville. That's happening through September 5th. I encourage you to go. I really encourage you to go on Saturday the 13th, this coming Saturday. If you're listening before then, this coming Saturday, 10 a.m., Bilson Kevich will be there in person to sign and meet you. Bilson Kevich, in fact, is here right now. Hello, Bill, in the lovely, Hello, lovely Hello. under a lovely California sky. Great, yes. Uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sunny out. Who would have thought? Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's lovely to meet you. Thanks so much for having me. Let, let's start right with the museum exhibit. When I when I first heard that there was a Bill Sinkevich museum exhibit, I thought, oh, well, that makes sense. Your creations are the kind of things I kind of want to stand in front of and talk about with friends. Well, that's... Uh, uh, well, talk about is great. It's like uh, I, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of beats, uh, you know, arguing, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> which I, I think has happened on occasion as well, you know. Are you arguing about your stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard plenty of stories, you know, I mean, from a lot of uh, art students as well, Mo mostly art students or, you know, but also other professionals, you know, when they, when they talk about their first exposure to my work and, you know, Person X will like my work. Person, you know, Y will not, and then they get into, uh, you know, the list of uh, litany of of pros and cons or whatever. And and to me, it's it's like, uh, uh, it, it's nice just to be invited to the party, so to speak. It's like, you know, I'd rather I'd rather like have an interesting conversation than be, right. you know, than 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 apathy. So yeah, you want people to be passionate about you, however that passion manifests right. manifests well, itself. Yeah, it, it, that's that's pretty much. I think that's the, sort of the human condition. I think you know, um, but uh, but yeah, but um, I mean, the Dunn Museum. I'm really looking forward to being there on Saturday and and uh, and meeting uh, you know uh, the folks coming out and and actually seeing the exhibit. I haven't been out there yet, so oh, I'm, I'm I'm picking up my friend Dennis early. We're getting coffee. We're heading out to Libertyville. Oh, fantastic! We can't, we can't wait. I mean, we've been talking about this literally since it was announced. And you know, I I was looking at your social 
social media, you posted a pic, uh, several pics um, at San Diego Comic-Con. There's a picture with you, Jim Lee, Frank Miller, and the Riddler, uh, Paul Dano. There's another pic of you photobombing Neil Gaiman and Frank Miller. You look super happy in these pictures. Are, are cons and these kind of up close and personal gatherings still fun for you? Yeah, they still are. They're, I mean, well, you know, there's also extenuating circumstances in this case because we've all been, you know, locked down for however many years it has been. I mean, um, and the running joke is that it's, it feels like it's been forever and it feels like it's also been like just yesterday. Yeah. It, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I haven't I had not seen Neil in in a number of years. So it was really lovely to see him. And, uh, you know, it's always lovely to see Frank. Frank and I see each other uh, much more, uh, much more frequently. And we always have a wonderful time. So to be with the uh, uh, with the two of them and uh, and catch up. Uh, but, yeah, that photo bomb, I think it was uh, um, I think the, the photographer said, OK, we'll get, get one of Frank and, and, and uh, you know, and Neil. And it's like, and I was standing off to the side and said, unless Bill wants to photobomb. And I was like, oh, I guess that's my, you know, so it worked out. It worked out well. It's sort of the perfect sort of like, how did I get here photobomb? But it was, it was actually, you know, it's one of those uh, like photobombs that's planned, but unplanned, you know, but it looked, it looked, it looked like we were all having fun. And Frank, of course, was, you know, he has that, uh, uh, you know, the demeanor of, of, uh, sort of the grizzled angry guy you know which uh um secreted out is out he's actually quite a charming hilarious individual so See, was- i want to i, I want to believe the 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 image of frank as grizzled and, and crabby and oh he sees all of those things but he also laughs you know and he's got a wicked sense of humor so but yes it was really lovely to see them and uh and the show in general i mean uh we're i'm working with paul dano on the uh, the rimbler cover so um, and he's an absolute sweetheart, such a talent, uh, and um, I love what he's writing, uh, you know, and what he's going to be exploring with the Riddler um, uh, series he's doing with Stevan. Um, and, um, uh, you know, and again, just like I said, just seeing people I have not seen in, in ages, because I can be, I can be very much be, an, you know, an isolationist and, and uh, 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 very introverted. You know, where it's like it takes something me forever to get to a place. And then once I'm like, you know, I don't want to go to a party. I don't want to go to a party. I go to the, I've dragged to the party and then it's the sun's coming up and I'm the guy with the lampshade on his head going like, I don't want to go. You know, it's like there's a, a very weird paradox in there somewhere. Oh, and I completely get that. I mean, as a podcaster working in isolation, I'm, yes, I, like you kind of your head down all day. You're not really talking to people movie i mean you your craft is solitary yeah yeah i mean and even when i'm sharing a studio space with with someone or even if i'm at a convention i'm signing or doing drawings in front of people or whatever um it's sort of uh it's it's simultaneously solitary and also you know just having that energy of people around you um uh is is really wonderful but the the, the real trick is is when you you know i'm back alone in my studio and there is no diversion whatsoever from, you know, my head. It's like there's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, some of my friends have actually, you know, gotten to the point where they would, you know, have the phone on, you know, or chat and they'd be working and chatting with, with their colleagues just to have another entity right. there. It, so. It's hard. It's hard to talk about comics in the present day without talking about 
television and movie expressions. We mentioned Neil Gaiman. I mentioned the, the Eisner Award. Have you watched Sandman on Netflix yet? Um, I've watched the first the first episode. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, Spoiler was, warning: I'm, It's amazing. It is. Yeah. It is everything. I mean, th- that's the payoff for all the waiting and false starts. That's it. I mean, it's. I mean, the dialogue is lifted straight from the page. The the, the panels are there in. Fully- oh it, well, I I think part of that credit is due, I think, to the fact that I think Neil uh, did his own screenplay. I mean, I'm, I might be mistaken on that, but. Um, uh, or if if it's not, um, I've got to look through the credits again. But um, if it's not Neil doing, you know, a transcription, so to speak, you know, um, it's somebody who's really, you know, wanting to adhere to to what he's done. I mean, it's, it's you know, there's always the idea of like a faithful translation. I mean, I've had my experience with sort of inspired buys and, and faithful transit, you know, uh, translations of things or not so faithful translations or you know, we took a little bit from this, a little bit from that, and kind of made it into a goulash. But the fact that um, the response has been so absolutely phenomenal, I'm, I, I'm so, you know, so happy. I mean, when I saw Neil, we were sitting together and talking, and he was, uh, you know, just, we were just catching up. And I just said to him, you know, you know, because I've known Neil since before he was sort of Neil Gaiman, you know, right. and hang out in, in the UK and, and elsewhere. And, um, so I just, I just said, look, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. And, uh, you know, I felt like I was being sort of the, the avuncular, you know, guy, but it was just, it's, it's so wonderful to see somebody that you care about who's so talented be very, very successful in such a, a profound way because his work has touched so many people. Going back to your work, we talked about how people may argue about your work. There may be people who are passionately for it, passionately not understanding it. I love this quote from you, and it says so much about the work you do. For people who don't know Bill Sienkiewicz, I pursue the emotional truth of something as opposed to simply the visual truth. I mean, for you know people who people like me, I mean, I grew up initially on artists like George Perez and John Byrne, very literal drawings of pictures. You were when when I first found you, whether it was Moon Knight or Electra Assassin, it was it was a sharp left turn in another direction, and it. It was really cool and exciting. There are distorted shapes. You're using watercolor and oil. I, I talk a little bit about your approach and w- how you found your your voice, so to speak, as an artist. Um, well, you know, I think that's an ongoing process. I think I'm still finding, you know, it. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. You spend as a young artist. I think you spend a lot of energy and time trying to find a style, you know, by trying on other hats and other styles. And then I think at a certain point you you do everything you can to sort of not have a style, to sort of become invisible. Um, you, all the things you sort of gravitate toward and covet are all the things that feel like they're the hamstring aspects of it. You know, it's like I, 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 want, I want to get lost and get moved out of the picture so that the work and the story I'm telling can be like everything. So, um, uh, yeah, but in terms of uh, part of, part of, you know, what, drives me is also um it's excitement i I get not that i get bored very easily because i um and whether or not there's any level of um i mean when i practice and certainly when i was i was putting myself through kind of boot camp with anatomy and color i mean i would focus in on on trying to get something exactly right and um and you know study anatomy books and i would study the like where the bones and you know and muscles inserted and I close the, the book, 
and then I would draw it from memory and I, then I would check. I was constantly checking. So, um, uh, so, but there's that commitment and then there's the jumping around. Like I, I want to be a master or as much of a master of all media because I sort of feel like it's like a linguistic thing, being able to communicate by knowing many languages or certainly knowing in some respect how to, how to put a sentence or a way to communicate together to be better understood. I look at different, you know, eras of art and different, different knowledges and, and uh, different disciplines as a way to facilitate that, to be able to communicate better. So I realized that drawing for me is, is sort of the mechanics of it. It's uh, but um, that, that's sort of like the barest minimum of what is necessary to be able to have draw something to look like what it's supposed to be. Oh, that's a car. That's that person or that that's, you know, whatever. And um, but to draw a, a dilapidated building using a ruler or, a draw, you know, or drawing it with a, a piece of burnt charcoal and drawing crooked, you know, crooked lines and a roughing in a brick pattern or whatever. One is a, a an illustration of, and the other one is sort of like trying to emotionally capture the feeling of what a dilapidated, rundown building might look like, and it had and it may have no straight lines whatsoever because it feel it might feel mm -hmm. old. So that's that's sort of what uh, it's more of a jazz approach, I suppose. That's a great way to describe it. Again, the Dunn Museum in Libertyville, the exhibits going through the fifth of September. You can meet Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm -hmm on August 13th at 10 o'clock in the morning. He'll be there for two and a half hours signing stuff and meeting people, which is super cool. Talking about those dilapidated buildings you may be drawing, a lot of what really attracted me at first and still to this day attracts me to your work is your ability to kind of capture the dark side of the universe. I, I grew up loving your Moon Knight stuff. I think one of my favorite comics covers of all time is Batman 400, which oh. you did. Yeah. I mean that that I mean that jumped off the spinner rack to put that in a time and place, but that was one of those books where I just, like that just leapt out at me and said "buy me," and I, I just I remember staring at. It. I mean that that issue in general is just awesome, but that covers you know that's that's the gateway right. That was awesome. Uh, so along the lines of Moon Knight and Batman, the Shadow, I'm guessing that you you lean toward that stuff, or do you kind of get? hired to do that stuff like what's your preference as far as like creating stuff and character drawings um well going toward the dark side of things i mean i've, I've always been intrigued by su the subconscious and subliminal things i mean uh, uh dark you know dark things were intriguing to me probably because this medium tends to attract people with uh unusual backstories so to speak origin origin stories so, like you know, the idea of escape is part of is like is part of the DNA. Um, so, and I don't think you know, it's like like you talk to a lot of comedians. You know, they've sort of had a really rough upbringing, so that a lot of a lot of comedians who are incredibly funny can also do incredibly dark, dramatic roles. Yeah. You know, so um, so I think that that was in there. Um, but at the same time, it, it, you know, there's the obvious approach of, of uh, you know, addressing an image, and then there's the understated more subconscious way of you know showing it uh, uh or not showing something letting the suggestion of of a, of a certain degree of violence you know or aftermath sort of uh, come out but 
I do love, you know, um, playing up and down the scales, you know, because it's like, I certainly probably in my more of my, you know, teenage angsty years, I think I probably delved way, way too deep into the sort of hand to my forehead, you know, like dark, dark stuff. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, you kind of, I kind of felt for me, uh, I can't, li I can't live like that. I can't, it's like, there's gotta be some light on the other side. <laughs> so, so if there's joy, it's like, I want to be able to, you know, encapsulate that as well. Um, because one of the great mis, you know, misconceptions is, is that, you know, if, uh, if art comes from pain, then if you get, if you go into like a therapy therapeutic situation where you're working through things that once you alleviate or work through or expunge that pain, then your work will suffer, you know? And I, and that's, to me, that's just hogwash. It's like, if anything, I think it's a liberating thing to, because uh, not because what happens is is that all of this the things that might have driven you no longer drive you. It's like it's not the tail wagging the dog. You can, you know, be all of who you are. So and I, and I think anything that can free you up um, to create uh, is is a good thing. You know, the a lot of there's a lot of conceptions or, or you know uh, thoughts of, of you know people like Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix, where they would talk about, you know, certain drugs that they would take, you know, it's like that their music or their artistry came through the drugs, you know, and um, I don't, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't agree with any of that. I mean, not that I've done any, I've never done any heavy drugs at all, probably, you know, just the ones that are all legal now. I mean, I've done those, but, uh, um, uh, but the idea of uh, the artwork for me is the drug and I don't want anything infringing upon that. So. So, you, so you mentioned playing the scales, you mentioned jazz, you mentioned Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. I'm guessing you're a music fan, Bill Sienkiewicz. You know, I'm as I'm listening to myself talk, it's like I, I am and have been for many, many years. But I find that when I'm working lately, it's like I'm, I'm there's a lot of silence or is there's some like news in the background. I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to sort of pull out some, you know, some, uh, you know, music to work to again, because uh uh, I, I I get into a zone when I'm creating, and, and especially if I'm listening to certain uh, certain tracks or especially soundtracks or certain musicians that have a a kind of a mantra to their work that you know, there's a light that repeats after a certain period of time, and I find that a lot of it if it syncs up with my sort of my own circadian rhythm where I kind of go into the zone and then out of it, it's like hours and hours can go by. And um, uh, I mean, there, you know, there was a period when I was working with CDs. Hey, so all the kids who don't know what those are, look it up. Uh, uh, where I'd like setting up the 24 CD changer and, and uh -huh. programming in like how many times you want to start. I could I could listen to, uh, you know, uh, the soundtrack to Blade Runner, you know, eight or nine times in a row, you know, or the or the bounty or whatever. And it was just. I would just get into that groove um, or to, uh, you know, uh, if, you know, a dollar, I say dollar, dollar brand, Archie Shep and dollar brand. I mean, you know, listening to those guys, I mean, Abdullah Ibrahim is what he goes by now, as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, dollar brand. But, you know, there's certain, certain musicians and certain vocalists as well. Like I can listen to Sade, you know, mm -hmm. or Dinah Washington, or, you know, uh, there's a, it really depends on where I'm, you know, looking for 
uh, you know, something to facilitate getting into that groove. You know, I totally get it. I, I work from home, and yeah. I find I, I love music. I find I can't listen to my favorite stuff when I'm working because lyrics are distracting to me. So oh, I, yeah. I, I listen to tons of scores, tons of soundtracks. I mean, right. just you know, two hours ago, I was listening through "The Fog" by John Carpenter, the score to that. He's an amazing, I mean, a musician, uh, musicianship, you know, that he has. I mean, I know that that like for for um, the thing, I know that was Ennio Morricone, but so, but the like, there's a certain passage that he did which was so iconic, and that I, you know, um, I would just listen to it. Certain other weird soundtracks, like uh, even there was a soundtrack by. Um, I forget which Miller brother it was, Rand, or you know, from from uh, uh, from Mist. It's he, you know, the 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 video game. Mm. You know, there was oh, right, right. It was really kind of almost like a uh, an immersive, you know, oral kind of oral by oral, you know, a u r a l, you know, sort of echoing kind of uh, soundtrack. Um, so uh, that kind of puts you in a place. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I briefly mentioned Electra Assassin, which is, you know, that that's a lot of people's touch point when they talk about the work of Bill Sienkiewicz. What was your favorite project that maybe didn't hit the critical mass of Electra Assassin? One that flew under the radar that you thought, oh, this was really this was me on the page and I wish more people had seen it. Well, I, I think probably to an extent, I'd have to say, you know, toasters, straight toasters, which is 100 percent mine. You know, and um, the one thing I will say is that that uh, I, I would have loved for it to. I mean, it sold very well, um, uh, and uh, there are the fans who are fans of it are rabid fans, and they're very committed to it. But um, but because it was my own thing, it was more of a science fiction thing. It wasn't with superheroes or capes or anything else. And I'd also dealt with with topics that were very close to to me personally. So I felt like I was sort of doing my Robert Crumb, Harvey Picar, you know, but sort of mashed up through, you know, a history of modern art, you know, uh, in terms of, of all of the the influences I mentioned. But I, I realized how much I want to kind of get back to that again, you know, doing more and more of that. So that's been on my uh, my 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 radar or my you know my calendar. I'm just trying to get caught up on a couple of other things so I can actually dive back into that. It's like, oh yeah, I remember how much fun I used to have just making like doing comics. Yeah. Right. I going back to comics and television, there I was watching HBO Max a week or so ago, watching the fantastic documentary on Milestone, Milestone Generations, uh, uh, yes. where where you are singled out as an artistic influential deity. Oh, that's well, I saw I, I, I just I just, you know, I saw it. And I, I was just so proud to be included. I mean, all of those 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 uh, creators are just, you know, wonderful, wonderful people. And it's like and, and I just I'm always blown away by, you know, they change the game. So to be included at all in that. And, but at the same time, I found out some news watching it that, you know, apparently they came to me to do the poster. And, and you know, as the story goes in, you know, in the documentary, you know, it didn't. It, it wasn't seen. It was sort of tucked away and not and hidden by some retailers or whatever, which um, uh, which was very kind of telling and disappointing in terms yeah. of the racism that that they were you know uh, being subjected to. You know that sort of even you know quote whatever position my work was supposed to you know give it in terms of credibility. The fact that it, it still had a uh, uh, you know a, still had to fight. 
Um, right. uh, but again, it's like they're, they're constant inspirations for me. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, knock wood that we're, we're past that. But uh, it, was, it was nice to be mentioned. I will say that. My only problem with the documentary is that it was an hour long. I could have gone deeper and I could have watched that yeah. for another hour and a half. Yeah. They did such I, a nice job with that. They did a great job. And, uh, um, you know, and one of the other things I really found fascinating and one of, uh, that I love is that, you know, with the, uh, the initiative, the milestone initiative where they're bringing in new talent. Yeah. Uh, is the, you know, things are so divisive now or divisive, however you want to say it. It's like in terms of, of polarization and, um, uh, you know, people sort of being, quote, canceled and pushed out and left and right. It's, it's nice to feel that uh, I've always felt that comics are very egalitarian, that it's a medium for everybody, you know, and it's, it's a big tent. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, and from day one, I've always felt comics can do anything, you know. Um, you know, you could have something like Peanuts, you know, something very silly and, and lightweight. And, and, and I'm not saying peanuts are, are that, but obviously you have something very cartoony. And then you could have something very sort of uh, dark and, and, you know, realistic or gritty. And, and all of that is within, you know, a medium that utilizes frames, you know. Um, it's sort of like the analogy I would, used to use was that you'd be like saying that, that the only, you know, the only kind of movies that actually are okay are Disney movies, you know then it's sort of like, well, what, what about like Citizen Kane? What about, you know, uh, all of these other, you know, The Godfather, you name it. No, no, um, you know, no Kurosawa or whatever. It's like ridiculous. So, um, well, so I'm just far- my evangelist rant. So. Well, as far as being egalitarian, being this big tent that welcomes people, I'm sure as you go to cons, and I'm sure you'll hear it at the Dunn Museum, People will approach you and say, "How do I? How do I do this? How do I become Bill Sinkevich? How do I? How do I break in?" I'm sure that's a common question. I, I guess maybe the other side of it, or the better way to ask it, is, "How do people find that voice? How do? What's the best path for them?" I, I think some some people are so focused on the finish line they kind of forget about the steps well, in between. Great, just what you just said right there is is sort of the key. It's like you 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 if you're too busy focusing on the finish line. You're missing the process, you know, and it's, it's really all process. It's like you, if you can, and it, and this is a, a kind of a key to life in general is to, is to be in the moment. It's like, that is so hard, you know, it just be where you are and just concentrate on doing it's, I mean, it's fine and understandable to sort of have an idea of where you want to go or like have a plan or whatever, but, um, but while you're working on something or doing something, it's, it's really great to sort of just savor, you know, where you are. And if and that includes like, if you're in a really uncomfortable place, you know, where it's like, I can't, I cannot deal with this right now. It's uh, one of the, the great challenges is to sort of sit with, the, with some of those uncomfortable feelings and work through them. Cause so many, there is a tendency to want to run away from things. And, um, I think that uh, certainly as an introvert, I found that a lot of my disappointment or anger in terms of my own drawbacks or inability or lack of ability in terms of work, my way of dealing with it was, was to double down. It was like, okay, I'm not going to run away from this. It was like, you know, there was uh, some things that happened many years ago where I would be nervous about something. And I thought that's a signal to me. 
It's like, if I'm afraid of something, I need to go toward that. Mm-hmm. Didn't like the idea. Like I was petrified of painting. Um, but I also did. It, it want- seems unthinkable to me as I'm talking to you. I can't even imagine that. Well, I felt like I, you know, it was so much to learn, but I think I do remember. It's like, there was just this moment I had as like, you know, seven, 16 or 17. I thought, I don't want to be that guy on his, you know, deathbed going like, I, you know, I really wish I'd, I'd taken a painting. It was, I mean, it sounds silly, you know, but like, that's the thing when people come to me and they ask me, how do you, you know, how do I do this? Or how do I become this? It's like, one, if you have to ask, you, you're not going to do it. Cause it's like, it has to be an obsession. It has to be something innate and inherent within you to sort of like, I'm going to do this. And you can't, you can't create that. It, it's like, it's sort of built into that person. You can sort of help them, help them out. And in terms of supporting them, but you can't do it for them. Right. Um, and the other uh, aspect of it is, uh, you know, just um, you will find your way. It's like, uh, you know, by the number of different choices, influences that you that you gravitate toward things that you that you do or don't do and part of the do or don't do is also um being able to um defer payment defer pleasure you know it's like i mean there were plenty of times during high school and college where it was like you know my friends would call me up and they'd say you know do you want to go out and you know get hammered you know and I mean, you know, of course I did, I did my fair share of that, like, <laughs> Of course, but, but at a certain point I was also nice. Nah, like, I'd rather just stay in and, and like, I'm having too much of a good time exploring what I'm doing. And so, um, uh, it's always sort of trying to keep the eye on the, on the prize or, and having an idea. I didn't know what I wanted my career to be. Um, I mean, uh, all I knew is that, I, that, this was going to be the road that I followed or the path. And, and I wanted to do well enough so I could continue to keep doing it. And, you know, so any of the, you know, the things I've done with like multimedia or influencing people in any kind of a way, you know, or working with some of the people I've worked with and on some of the projects I've worked on, um, those were just things that happened, you know, by virtue of the fact that I stuck to that, right. to the, the goal of doing good work and because at the end of the day i don't it's like i don't care about you know like there's a lot of younger people ask you know well it's like how do i be a social influencer how do i you know like do i come up with a fragrance line or whatever it's like it the most of the artists i get along with it's like whether it's musical acting or whatever it's like uh writing it's about the the work and it's yeah. like and you do, and do the work all that other stuff can be you know, noise and distraction, and it might be gravy, but it, it it's not, it shouldn't be the, the, the prime mover, you know, and it sounds like I'm preaching, but you know, no, I, I, I agree 100% with everything you're saying. I mean, I, my background is radio and I'll, I'll have people ask me to this day, well, how do you get a job in radio? And I'll say, well, are you podcasting? Have you considered doing a, a right. DJ show on Twitch? Like, what are you doing to, to scratch that itch right now and, and kind of find your way? Right. You can't, we can't wait for them to come to you, you know, right. You have to, um, you know, it's sort of like the old lottery thing. You gotta be, you know, buy a ticket to get it, you know, to, right. You can't buy. win if you don't play bill. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it sounds very simplistic, but it's absolutely true. You know, it's absolutely true. So, um, uh, you know, and the, the, the 
plus for me is that, you know, as, as much as I've done, I still feel like it's all brand new to me. You know, I have certain That's a good sign. years under my belt and I know certain things, but I'm always looking forward to seeing what, what the next piece is going to be. And, um, uh, you know, and that to me is, is, is the joy and, and sort of the goal of, that I look for is, is to, is to continue to be able to, uh, do what I love doing, you know, and I think, you know, certainly I, I, I imagine you must feel the same way. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I completely relate. I, I, I monopolized enough of your time. We're going to see you at the Dunn Museum in Libertyville on Saturday yep. the 13th. Before you go, I'm going to ask you something I don't think you've ever been asked. What did the New Mutants movie get right? Wow. It's so much. We, we could go off on a long, you know, a long thing. Uh, I thought they got the relationship between the characters right. I think that uh, um, all of the, the casting was perfect. I thought that uh, everybody from Blue to Maisie to uh, uh, Anya to Henry to uh, Charlie to you know everybody and and they were, everybody was just spe- spectacular, you know. And I really really wish the film had done better. I know I've talked to Josh about this and uh, uh, the other director. Um, they were really hoping to, for it to do well. And the, the whole Michigash in terms of it being, you know, on the schedule, off the schedule yeah. with bringing that whole buyout from Disney with, with, uh, with Fox. Um, that was unfortunate, but um, I know that, that the second film was going to start with uh, the introduction of Warlock. Uh, <laughs> Which Perfect. is yeah, that's yeah. that's classic Sinkevich right there, Warlock. Yeah, it was it was just felt too you know too um, you know too <laughs> exciting uh, uh, you know, but it, it is it is what it is, and I you know and uh, again, people who who love the film love it, and it's like I thought it was a really valiant you know wonderful uh, film, and and it was a small film, and I think that that yeah. was the other. I think that uh, you know there's a blockbuster mentality with a lot of the, you know, totally that really hadn't, it did not suit that this film at all. It was a much more intimate film. And I think it should have been marketed that way, but woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, it's out. And it's, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm still incredibly happy with it. It's super cool that it, that it even exists. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. that about comics in film and television writ large all the time. Like if you had told, 12 year old me that we live in an age where ant-man is you know almost three movies into a cycle it's like this this is utopia are you kidding me oh it's so true i mean um you know i still remember when you know frank and alan you know uh and and neil and we would talk about you know the the love we had for the medium and, and what we wanted to try to accomplish we were like we wanted the respect that we felt for the medium Yes. to be that the audience felt as well. We wanted their respect and we wanted the reader's respect. Cause I certainly grew up, you know, as, as you know, the, the old man, you know, that like, you know, now it's like looking back at this run, I still feel like I'm 15 um, that, uh, you know, Oh, you do comic books. It was like, there was always this sort of dismissive kind of, and, and this level of stigma that uh, just felt like uh, completely, um, infuriating and like uh, powerful enough to sort of stick in my brain and go like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to show you, you know? And I think that probably there is something in every, in every, 
person who take, picks up a brush or, a, a, you know, a, a, a typewriter or a microphone or whatever, there's, there might be a little bit of, you know, I'll show you, you know. For sure. I mean, your response could be, are you kidding me? The comics code wouldn't even touch my stuff in the 80s. They want nothing to do with me. Oh, well, this there you go. kid stuff. The well, comics code won't touch it. Say that because I, I was at uh, when Legion, the second season of Legion, uh, again, phenomenal series. That was a crazy cool show. Really crazy cool show. And I remember I was, uh, you know, they were doing the photographs on the on the carpet, and one of the um, you know the entertainment shows, I forget which one it was, asked me so like, like how amazed are you that this? It's like we're here in the second season, you know, of of, of you know Legion. And it's getting all this kind of positive response. I said. Uh, as you're asking me this question, I'm like flashing back and thinking I'm really kind of more stunned by that fact that Marvel let us do the new comic book. Yeah. That, you know, all of this other stuff out here with all the cameras and like, oh, look, there's there's, uh, you know, um, Aubrey Plaza over there. And there's there's Gene Smart and there's there's you know Dan Stevens and you know, you know, everybody else. And it's like and, and the cameras and people are just going nuts over the series. And meanwhile, I'm thinking it's like, wow, it's like what Chris and I were doing. We were just, you know, two guys who were just having a blast. So, and they let us do it. They let us do it, you know. I love it. Well, you, you've clearly followed your own muse for decades. We love what you do, Bill. And I sure. can't wait to, to spend time arguing about your stuff on the walls. Can't wait to, to see you and, and see your fans. See, see your fans kind of just receive you on well, Saturday. It's going to be so much fun. And I look forward to to uh, to seeing you, and and we'll 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 try to keep the arguing to a minimum, and just you know enjoy. It's just you know it should be a, hopefully a great day. Thank you, Bill Sinkevich. Well, thank you, sir. It's really great to meet you uh, and talk to you, and and hello to everybody out there. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday, folks. <laughs>